Welcome to Speak Up and Stay Alive Radio with author, speaker, and your host, Pat Rulo, serving you a generous helping of everything you need to know to help you and your loved ones stay safe during any doctor or hospital visit. The program is not intended to replace medical advice from a licensed professional, but rather to encourage you to become a well-informed participant in your health and well-being. And now, your host, Pat Rulo. Hello and welcome. I'm Pat Rulo, the voice for patient safety, where each week we delve into little-known healthcare and hospital hazards, as well as other fringe topics that affect your health and well-being. I'm so happy you've taken the time to join me, and today I have lots to share with you. So, let's dig right in, shall we? Well, today we're getting back to our patient safety roots once again. Oh, I'm going to tell you about something today you may not have heard of before. It's called N-N-T, three letters, N-N-T, and I will clue you in in a moment. Every time you walk into a physician's office, you run the risk of overtreatment. Tests you don't need, medications that are ineffective or dangerous, procedures that cause more problems than they solve. Most of us trust, or at any rate hope, that the benefits of a drug our doctor prescribes will outweigh the side effects. Why else would we take it? We would probably be shocked to learn that most drugs don't do anything good for the majority of the people who use them. That's because we picture a simple cause and effect relationship like antibiotics cure an infection. But most chronic diseases involve a complex chain of biochemical interactions. The idea that you're going to take one drug that affects one pathway and dramatically changes the course of an illness Ah, they say it's pie in the sky. Medical care is often far less effective than most of us believe. Just because you took some medicine for an illness and became well again does not necessarily mean that the treatment provided the cure. So enter today's conversation about NNT, which stands for the number needed to treat. NNT, number needed to treat. Developed in the 1980s, the number needed to treat, which I'm now going to call the NNT, tells us how many people must be treated for one person to derive a benefit. So an NNT that's given the number one or given the rating of one, an NNT of one would mean that every person treated improves and every person not treated fails to, which is how we tend to think most therapies work. So whoever takes the drug gets better, those who don't, don't get better. Now, what may surprise you is that NNTs are often much higher than one. Double and even triple digit NNTs are common. So if a drug is considered a five, it will help one out of five people. And if that were the case, it would be marketed as a wonder drug, which means for you, the person taking it, there is an 80% chance it won't do anything. Now, that's why the pharmaceutical industry does not want you to know what NNT is, numbers needed to treat. 
and they completely ignore it when they advertise their drugs to you. I mean, have you ever heard of this before? In all of the fast-talking side effects on the ads, drug ads, have you ever heard this drug will only help one person out of five or ten or sixty? Consider aspirin for heart attack prevention. The American Heart Association recommends that people who have more than a 10% chance should take a daily aspirin to avoid that heart attack. So how effective is aspirin for that aim? According to clinical trials, if about 2,000 people follow these guidelines over a two-year period, only one additional first heart attack will be prevented. Now, this doesn't mean that the rest of the other people will have heart attacks. It means only one person is actually affected by aspirin. But for 1,999 of the remaining 2,000 people, aspirin doesn't make any difference at all. And of course, nobody knows if they're the lucky one for whom aspirin is helpful. So if aspirin is cheap and it doesn't cause much harm, it might be worth taking, even if the chances of benefit are small. But this already reflects a trade-off where we rarely consider because many treatments do cause harm. And actually, there is a complementary metric known as the number needed to harm. And they call that the NNH, the number needed to harm, which says that if that number of people are treated, one additional person will have a specific negative outcome. For some treatments, the NNT can be higher than the number needed to harm, indicating that more people are harmed than successfully treated. So if I'm a betting person, would I bet that out of 2,000 people, I would be the only one to benefit from taking aspirin to avoid a heart event? Uh, no. Now, not all NNTs are as high as aspirins for heart attacks, but many are higher than you might think. As treatments go, an NNT of 30 is pretty good. Very few areas are as low as 10, though are, there are some. For instance, the use of steroids in people having asthma attacks to prevent admissions to the hospital has an NNT of 8. That's because steroids work fairly well for asthma attacks, better than many treatments for other conditions. But still, 7 of 8 people suffering an asthma attack see no benefit at all from steroids with respect to preventing hospitalizations. Now, even more concerning, in clinical trials, the treatments are applied to a very select population specifically for whom they're intended. But in reality, in medical practice, it's very common for treatments to be applied to just about everyone, to a much broader population, including many people for whom they're less likely to be effective. Therefore, that increases the number needed to treat. This is perhaps because doctors would rather offer an explicit treatment, perhaps to harness the placebo effect, so you think that something's working because you were given a drug, even when it's not likely to be of additional benefit. In fact, a new study showed that many people who are prescribed aspirin for the primary prevention of cardiovascular disease don't even meet the criteria described for its use. Because of this use in a population beyond the targeted ones in clinical trials, the NNT in reality, in practice, is most likely higher than the 2,000 suggested by those trials. Here's another one, antibiotics. That's a classic example of overuse. For instance, the NNT for antibiotics to treat acute sinusitis 
a sinus infection, is 15, meaning that 14 out of 15 people who take antibiotics derive no benefit. But doctors often write prescriptions for antibiotics in situations when the diagnosis of sinusitis is far less assured. Then there is the use of stents to open up clogged arteries in patients who are not actively suffering a heart attack. This is another treatment that is employed too often. Now, statins are the perfect example. The commercials would have you think life is glorious on statin drugs. Now you can canoe and kiss your husband or wife and play with your grandkids. Yet statins have an NNT of 60, which means for every 60 people who take statins, most only get the awful side effects and none of the supposed benefits. 60 people would have to take a statin drug for at least five years for the probability that just one person would not have a non-fatal heart attack. And what about the other kind, the fatal heart attack? Not a single heart attack death would be prevented. Even without knowing the NNT, people are starting to figure out statins aren't a good idea. Why? Because they don't like the side effects, and that's something no one has to tell them about. So Big Pharma has come up with a solution, a marketing campaign to doctors to help make people take their statins. You see, they think people who don't want to take a drug to lower cholesterol are just being children who won't do what they're told and that it's silly to worry about statin side effects. So they've come up with a new term, statinphobia. That way they can get their bad children to come out of their hiding places and take the drug. And just the short list of statin drug side effects should make you hide from a doctor who tries to give you one. They include muscle pain, memory loss, even liver failure. Statins are also linked to Parkinson's disease and Lou Gehrig's disease. And recently, the FDA added a black box warning, the biggest worst warning they can come up with, to statins, alerting patients to an increased risk of developing type 2 diabetes. The side effects get so bad that one study found 62% of statin users can't stand it and stop taking their medication. And it gets worse. Stanford epidemiologist John Ioannidis got the medical world's attention with a journal article titled, Why Most Published Research Findings Are False. In it, he notes that 80% of published drug studies are funded by the drug industry. But even if we were to take the research at face value, that a given drug has a statistically significant benefit when the NNT is, say, 50 or higher, the benefit is so small, it is clinically meaningless. But fortunes are made from such microscopic benefits. And I love that, microscopic benefits. So let's continue with statins. Introduced in the States in the late 1980s, statins inhibit an enzyme that the liver uses to make cholesterol, in most people dropping that LDL number between 30 and 50%, but at a cost. The research figures and calculates that for every 50 people on statins, one will develop type 2 diabetes who otherwise would not have. So if we're talking about diabetes risk, the NNH for statins is 50 dose 50 people with a statin, you can expect to see one extra case of type 2 diabetes turn up. Now I want to clarify statins a bit further. According to a website called vnnt.com, and I want you to check that out if you have a chance, um, vnnt.com, 
They list by specialty, cardiac, dermatology, and so on, all of the specialties. They also list by levels of danger, green, yellow, and red. It's just a fascinating website. So if you have a chance, check it out after the show, thennt.com. Anyway, pulled from their pulled from their websites, statins. Now, when statins are given for five years for heart disease prevention with people with known heart disease, here are the numbers. One in 83 were helped, which actually saved a life. One in 39 were helped by preventing a non-fatal heart attack. One in 125 were helped by preventing a stroke. One in 50 were harmed by developing diabetes. One in 10 were harmed with muscle damage. One in 10. Now let's flip that and talk about statins given to people at a low risk of cardiovascular disease. And a lot of people are given statins and don't necessarily have a high risk for cardiovascular disease. In summary, what they say, the benefits, none. No statistically significant mortality benefit. One in 217 avoided a non-fatal heart attack. One in 313 avoided a non-fatal stroke. One in 21 experienced pain from muscle damage. So you could see how important it is for you to fall into the correct category before blindly taking medications. So how could some of the most eminent cardiologists in the country have fallen into this statistical rabbit hole? Well, hopefully they just don't want to miss anyone who might conceivably benefit from diagnosis and treatment. And what they don't see is that the harm this strategy produces. But then there's the money factor. More than half the doctors on the committee have received compensation from the pharmaceutical industry in the form of speaking and consulting fees and research subsidies. Let's talk about blood pressure medications. Almost a third of American adults suffer from high blood pressure, the majority in the mild hypertension 140 over 90 to 159 over 99 camp. And most of them are on antihypertensive drugs. The catch and you saw this one coming, is that while the risk of heart attack and stroke goes down when blood pressure drops, in result to changes in diet or exercise or handling stress, when you use drugs to treat mild hypertension to get the same reduction, nothing comparably good happens. And according to the NNT.com, the drugs have an NNH of 12. For every 12 treated, one will suffer from side effects that, depending on the type of drug, include fatigue, dehydration, and sexual dysfunction. For men, on the cusp of high blood pressure with a systolic reading in, say, the high 140s or 150s, there is no one-size-fits-all rule as to whether they should be on the meds if they can't bring the numbers down themselves. So lots to think about. Now I touched on antibiotics. Let's talk about them for upper respiratory infections. One-fifth of the antibiotics prescribed in the U.S. are for upper respiratory infections. The patient walks into the doctor's office or the urgent care clinic with a nasty case of bronchitis or sinusitis and most of the time walks out with a prescription. The scenario seems impervious to the fact that most of the infections are viral, not bacterial, and that antibiotics are worthless against them. In study after study, the drugs have been found to do precious little good, at best shortening the duration of a symptom like a cough by a day or so, and at the risk of building up antibiotic resistance in cases where the drugs may really be needed. Doctors know all of this, but in this system, it takes a doctor 20 seconds to prescribe a drug 
and 20 minutes to explain to the patient why they don't need it. Here are two examples of news coverage in which knowing the NNT made the treatment being discussed much easier to understand. In the spring of 27, the biopharmaceutical company Amgen released a cholesterol-lowering drug called Rapatha, too much fanfare. Even the New York Times claimed the new drug has the potential to improve the health and longevity of millions of Americans. <laughs> As if anyone at the New York Times has a clue of what they're really talking about. Amgen claimed it reduced the risk of heart attacks and strokes by 15 to 20 percent. But get this, they are using a different metric. They are citing what is called the relative risk reduction. When the relative risk reduction is really translated to the actual NNI, what it really means is one in 67 patients will benefit from the $14,000 a year drug. They out and out lie, giving numbers that sound better than they truly are. Later in 2017, the FDA approved a new shingles vaccine, Shingrix, Shingrix, made by GlaxoSmithKline. An Associated Press story wrote that the vaccine was about 90% effective in preventing shingles, as well as the pain that lingers after the episode. But the NNT tells a very different story. About 34 patients would need to be given Shingrix over three years to prevent one case of shingles. And about 260 would have to receive the vaccine to prevent one case of the post-nerve pain that lingers. Now, this all sounds messy and confusing, and yes, it is. So, here's a simple way to talk with your doctor about NNTs. Ask the question this way. Out of 100 people like me, how many avoid a heart attack by taking Lipitor or whatever the situation or drug is? The answer from Pfizer's ad is one. So you have to give 100 people Lipitor for several years to avoid one heart attack. That's the NNT of 100. So ask the question that way. Out of 100 people like me, how many people would avoid or have this risk by taking this drug? Now you can make a decision along with other conversations with your healthcare provider. Bottom line, we would all be better served by a more informed understanding of exactly how much or how little benefit is reasonable to be expected by taking a drug, changing our lifestyle, or undergoing a procedure, especially since the chance of benefit, as expressed by NNT, might not be worth the risk of harm. Now, I am not at all suggesting to stop taking your medications, but rather that you know what you are taking know why you are taking them, understand the risks and the rewards, all wrapped in a discussion that revolves around you and your very specific health and lifestyle nuances. Do not be lumped in to some clinical trial group of which you may not be a part. So this is just another way to keep you safe. Remember, and I say it all the time, you have to speak up and stay alive. Listen to Pat Rulo and Speak Up and Stay Alive Radio. Stay safe from little-known healthcare and hospital hazards. To learn more, go to speakupandstayalive.com. That's speakupandstayalive.com.
Hi, I'm Jana Panaritis, host of the AgeWise podcast. We're all living longer, and at some point, we're all going to need care. Many of us are already being cared for by sons and daughters, spouses and partners. On the AgeWise podcast, members of every generation share their stories of caregiving and aging. I like about living alone that it's all mine and is the first time in my life when I didn't have to consider children, husband or anything else. She wasn't scared and I was bawling. You know, I knew what this meant for her. There's no coming back from Huntington's. I also knew that it's a 50-50 chance that I had it. Tune in every Thursday for a brand new episode at speakuptalkradio.com. To learn more about the show, visit the AgeWise website. That's A-G-E-W-I-Z dot com. Hi there, I'm Gina Murphy-Darling, the host of Mrs. Green's World, and I would really love for you to become a part of that world. We talk about things like the faceless villain of climate change, our compromised food supply, and about how to become a conscious consumer. But it's not all bad news. We educate, we inspire, we engage. We always leave you with some small steps you can take to make a difference for this great planet of ours and help you live the healthy life you deserve. Please visit MrsGreensWorld.com to learn more and become a part of our world. Hot, 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 hot. Bring the heat. Want even more information? Purchase a copy of Pat's book at SpeakUpAndStayAlive.com. Once again, it's SpeakUpAndStayAlive.com. Or you can call Pat at 440-725-5462. Hot, 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 hot. Bring the heat. And now, your host, Pat Rouleau. I just read an article that caught my eye because of the title. Here it is. For men, the most commonly reported bad reaction to prescription drugs is death. (laughs) How's that for a title? Well, now the article goes on to say, death is the most commonly reported bad reaction to prescription drugs in men, according to information from a newly released Food and Drug Administration database. The second most common negative effect reported in men is ineffectiveness. And I'll stop at that and say, whoa, either the drug doesn't work or you die? But now the results should not be taken to imply that death is a common side effect because, as usual, the data is messy and difficult to interpret. Plus, more people would be inclined to report death as a side effect than they would an upset stomach. So maybe that's why death is at the top of the list. I don't know, but it doesn't sound like an exact science to me. The FDA collects data on every adverse reaction to prescription drugs reported by pharmaceutical companies, doctors, and the general public. This analysis is based on a new FDA initiative called Open FDA that's supposed to make that publicly available data more accessible online. Well, even though the accuracy and comprehensiveness of the reports are unknown, there's some interesting information available, and here's a few points. First, there are more serious reactions reported for non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs like ibuprofen or aspirin than for any other drugs, including antipsychotics and benzodiazepines such as Valium. It's likely that this indicates how widely used ibuprofen and aspirin are, not that they're any more dangerous than any other drugs. Most of us mistakenly believe that aspirin is safe, perhaps because you can buy it over the counter. I say, think twice before popping these pain relievers. And the article states that next, In the lists of reasons that the person filing a report even took a drug in the first place, 
the top two reasons were different categories of unknown. Can you imagine reporting a bad side effect of a drug and not even knowing why you were taking the drug? <laughs> well, this statistic alone screams that we as patients must not blindly accept whatever medication our doctor doles out to us. Ask questions. Take notes. Why do I need this drug? What will it do to improve my health? What side effects might I expect? Does this medication play well with my current medications? So many questions to ask and have answered. And then there's the question that the article ignores. Is death the most highly reported side effect due to the fact that some drugs are just downright lethal? Just because a doctor prescribes a medication does not mean it is not dangerous or defective. We know this, prescription drugs are often rushed to market without adequate testing. Remember the pain reliever Vioxx? It was on the market for five and a half years before it was recalled for increased risk of heart attack and stroke, linked to about close to 28,000 heart attacks or sudden cardiac deaths. Ads for Vioxx featured Olympic gold medalist Dorothy Hamill and Bruce Jenner. And Vioxx was prescribed to more than 20 million people. Then there's the pain reliever Darvon or Darvacet. It was on the market for 55 years before it was recalled for serious toxicity to the heart. And there are so many more. So celebrity endorsements and length of time on the market obviously are not safety standards. You can still report an adverse drug reaction to the FDA, either online or by requesting a reporting form. If you think you or someone in your family has experienced a serious reaction to a medical product, you are encouraged to take the reporting form to your doctor. However, for a variety of reasons, you may not wish to have the form filled out by your healthcare provider, or your healthcare provider may choose not to complete the form. Your doctor is not required to report to the FDA. In these situations, you may complete the online reporting form yourself. But rather than get to this point, make a decision to know everything you can about every medication you take. Now, while the title of the article, for men, the most commonly reported bad reaction to prescription drugs is death, it might be an eye-catcher. You certainly don't want to be included in that statistic. Choose to pay attention and ask questions. Remember, you have to speak up and stay alive. Well, there you have it. Lots to think about and plenty to share with others. And to do so, simply head over to the website speakupandstayalive.com where you can listen to today's show again and hear previous episodes all under the Radio Archives button. And while you're there, visit the shop page to get a copy of the life-saving book, Speak Up and Stay Alive, Your Hospital Survival Guide. And if you just need more of me, Invite me to speak to your group, club, church, business, or hospital. My presentations are fun, fast-paced, informative, and life-saving. Visit speakupandstayalive.com for more information. Email me at pat at speakupandstayalive.com or call me and leave a message on the radio studio line 440-725-5462. That is 440 440- 725-5462. Well, that is it for today. And 
until next time, I hope you have a healthy and a happy week. I am Pat Rulo, and I am the voice for informed choice. Are you in the market to purchase a home? Are you thinking of selling yours? Well, I personally worked with the McCaskey team. Give them a call, 440-773-5542, or visit their website, mccaskeyteam.com, mccaskeyteam.com. <laughs>